Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hello there. This is going to be for 1 Kings chapter 2. Now the, days of so- uh, now the days of David drew nigh that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. There's a poetic version of this prayer for Solomon on the occasion in, in Psalms chapter 72, if you want to look at that. David charged his son to keep all the commandments of God, to study the law, and to exercise righteous judgment upon the people. Solomon was also instructed concerning some of David's enemies as well as some of his friends. First Kings does not record the large assemblage of government administrators and military commanders that David called together when he sensed that his death was near. However, the historic gathering is recorded in First Chronicles 28-29. to At this conference, David performed four great services. He gained the support of the people for the completion of the temple. He presented a vast treasure for the temple. He publicly turned over to Solomon the plans for the temple and disclosed that they had been given to him by divine revelation. And he succeeded in having Solomon crowned and anointed a second time when the people of every tribe were officially represented and could declare their loyalty. That was from the Institute Manual. Verse 3. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. That the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said said he, a man on the throne of Israel. Moreover, thou knowest also that Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me, and what he did to the two captains of the hosts of Israel, and to Abner, the son of Ner, and unto Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he slew, and shed the blood of war in peace, but and put the blood of war upon the girdle that was about his loins, and in his shoes that were on his feet. Do therefore according to thy wisdom, and let not this whore head go down to the grave in peace. Whorehead means whitehead. Joab, out of jealousy and fear of losing his position as commander of the armies of Israel, had murdered Abner and Amasa. Commentators have noted that David ought to have punished these two crimes, but when Abner was murdered, he felt himself too weak to visit a man like Joab with the punishment he deserved, as he had only just been anointed king, and consequently he did nothing more than invoke divine retribution upon his head. And when Amasa was slain, the rebellions of Absalom and Sheba had crippled the power of David too much for him to visit the deed with the punishment that was due. But as king of the nation of God, it was not right for him to allow such crimes to pass unpunished. He therefore transferred the punishment for which he had wanted the requisite power to his son and successor. Do according to thy wisdom, mark the proper opportunity of punishing him, and let not his gray hair go down into hell, the region of the dead, in peace, unpunished. The punishment of so powerful a man as Joab, the commander-in-chief, was required was required great wisdom to avoid occasion occasioning a rebellion in the army which was devoted to him. That was by Keel. 
Verse 7, But show kindness unto the sons of Berzeli the Gileadite, and let them be of that of those that eat at thy table. For so they came to me when I fled because of Absalom thy brother. Berzeli and Shimei, Shimei both lived in Mahanim. Shimei, instead of showing kindness to David when he fled from Absalom, threw rocks at him and cursed him. Berzeli, however, showed great kindness to David and those who had fled with him by providing them with food and clothing. David asked Solomon to provide for the for the family of Berzeli as a payment for his for his kindness. Verse 8, And behold, thou hast with thee Shammai the, the son of Gera, a Benjamite of Baharum, <clears throat> which cursed me with a grievous curse in the day when I met to when I went to Mahanaim. But he came down to meet me at Jordan, and I swear to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put thee to death with the sword. Now therefore hold him not guiltless, for thou art a wise man, and knowest what thou oughtest to do unto him. But his whore head bring, bring down to the grave with blood. At this conference, David performed four great services. One, he gained the support of the people for the completion of the temple. Two, he presented a vast treasure for the temple. Three, he publicly turned over to Solomon the plans for the temple and disclosed that they had been given to him by divine revelation. And four, he succeeded in having Solomon crowned and anointed a second time when the people of every tribe were officially represented and could declare their loyalty. I think I said that last chapter, didn't I? No, I just said that a couple minutes ago. (laughs) Uh, Just kidding. Okay. Uh, Verse 10, So David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the days that David reigned over Israel were forty years. Seven years reigned he in Hebron, and thirty and three years reigned he in Jerusalem. Then sat Solomon upon the throne of David his father, and his kingdom was established greatly. And Adonijah, the son of Haggath, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, and she said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. And he said, Moreover, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And she said, Say on. And he said, Thou knowest that the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel set their faces on me, that I should reign. Howbeit the kingdom is turned about, and has become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. And now I ask one petition of thee, deny me not. And she said unto him, Say on. And he said, Speak, I pray thee, unto Solomon the king, for he will not say say thee nay, that he give me Abishag the Shuamite to wife, and Beersheba and Bathsheba said, "Well, I will speak for thee unto the king." Bathsheba therefore went unto King Solomon to speak unto him for Adonijah, and the king rose up to meet him and bowed himself unto her and sat down on his throne, and caused a seat to be set for the king's mother, and she sat on the, on his right hand. Then she said, I desire one small petition of thee, I pray thee, say me not nay. And the king said unto her, Ask on, my mother, for I will not say thee nay. And she said, Let Abishag the Shunamite, the Shunamite be given to Adonijah thy brother to wife. And king Solomon answered and said unto his mother, And why dost thou ask Abishag the Shunamite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is mine elder brother, even for him, and for Abiathar the priest, and for Joab the son of Zeruiah. Then king Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, God do so to me, and more also, if Adonijah have not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as the Lord liveth, which hath established me, and set me on the throne of David my father, and who hath made me a house, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death this day. And king Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and he fell upon him that he died. Amongst eastern nations, the wives and concubines of a deceased or dethroned king were taken by his successor, and so Adonijah's request for Abishag was regarded as tantamount to a claim on the throne. Solomon knew and understood this law. 
At first, it may seem puzzling that Bathsheba would take Adonijah's request to Solomon since she almost certainly knew and understood this law. Perhaps she, knowing how Solomon would react, recognized an opportunity to rid Solomon of the threat that Adonijah continued to be to the throne of Israel. Solomon did react quickly, for this was the second time Adonijah had attempted to take the throne by subtlety. That was out of the Institute Manual. Boy, things were dangerous back then, weren't they? Verse 26, And unto Abiathar the priest said the king, Go thee to Anathoth unto thine own fields, for thou art worthy of death. But I will not at this time put thee to death, because thou bearest the ark of the Lord, God before the ark of the Lord, the Lord God before David my father, and because thou hast been afflicted in all wherein my father was afflicted. So Solomon thrust out Abiathar from being priest unto the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spake concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. Then tidings came to Joab, for Joab had turned after Adonijah, though he turned not after Absalom. And Joab fled into, unto the tabernacle of the Lord and caught hold on the horns of the altar. And it was told, I guess you call safety or sanctuary or something if you do that. And it was told King Solomon that Joab was fled unto the tabernacle of the Lord, and behold, he is by the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go fall upon him. And Benaiah came to the tabernacle of the Lord and said unto him, Thus saith the king, Come forth. And he said, Nay, but I will die here. And Benaiah brought the king word again, saying, Thus said Joab, and thus he answered me. And the king said unto him, Do as he hath said, and fall upon him, and bury him, that thou mayest take away the innocent blood which Joab shed from me and from the house of my father. And the Lord shall return his blood upon his own head, who fell upon two men more righteous and better than he, and slew them with the sword. My father David, not knowing thereof, to wit, Abner, the son of Ner, captain of the host of Israel, and Amasa, the son of Jether, captain of the host of Judah. Their blood shall therefore return upon the head of Joab and upon the head of his seed forever. But upon David and upon his seed and upon his his house and upon his throne shall there be peace forever from the Lord. So Benaiah the son of Jehoiada went up and fell upon him and slew him, and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. So I guess it wasn't always a place of safety, was it? Abiathar and Joab were still conspiring to put Adonijah on the throne. Solomon banished Abiathar from Jerusalem and took him took from him the office of high priest in Israel. Abiathar was a, was a great-grandson of Eli, who was both priest and judge in Israel, and the last of his descendants to hold a priestly office. This punishment and restriction of Abiathar fulfilled the prophecy announced to Eli by the Lord. Abiathar probably escaped with the punishment of exile only because Solomon Solomon was reluctant to execute a high priest. Joab, however, was a much more dangerous enemy because he had commanded the army. There was no question concerning Joab's guilt. Because of the murders he had committed, he was indeed worthy of death. Thus, he had no right to claim the sanctuary of the altar, and Solomon was not obligated to honor his claim to sanctuary. That was from the Institute Manual. Verse 35, And the king put Benaiah the son of Jehoiada in his room over the host or army of Zadok the priest did the king put in the room of Abiathar. And the king sent and called for Shimei, or Shammai, and said unto him, Build thee a house in Jerusalem, and dwell there, and go not forth thence any whither. For it shall be that on the day thou goest out, and passeth over the brook Kidron, thou shalt know for certain that thou shalt surely die, thy blood shall be upon thine own head. And Shammai said unto the king, The saying is good, as my lord the king hath said, so will thy servant do. And Shammai dwelt in Jerusalem many days. And it came to pass at the end of three years that two of the servants of Shammai ran away into Achish, the son of Makkah, the king of Gath. 
Gath. And they told Shammai, saying, Behold, thy servants be in Gath. And Shammai arose and saddled his ass and went to Gath, to Achish, to seek his servants. And Shammai went and brought his servants from Gath. And it was told Solomon that Shammai had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and was come again. And the king sent and called for Shammai and said unto him, Did I not make thee to swear by the Lord and protested unto thee, or solemnly warned thee, saying, No, for a certain, on the day thou goest out, and walkest abroad any whither, that thou shalt surely die? And thou saidst unto me, The word that I have heard is good. Why then hast thou not kept the oath of the Lord, and the commandment that I have charged thee with? The king said moreover to Shammai, Thou knowest all the wickedness which thine heart is privy to, or knew that thou didst to David my father. Therefore the Lord shall return thy wickedness upon thine own head, and King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. So the king commanded Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, which went out and fell upon him, that he died, and the kingdom was established in the land of Solomon. Continuing to follow the final counsel of his father, Solomon now undertook to punish Shammai. At first, this punishment may seem vindictive on David's part and cruel for Solomon to follow through with it, since all Shammai had done was to curse David and throw rocks at him. At that time, however, David's kingdom was rent by civil war. Shammai's action was therefore equivalent to treason against the government. There may have been an actual or an additional reason for David's counsel to Solomon. Shammai was, was from... Bahurim, which was a short distance east of Jerusalem. The Ammonites and Moabites, who lived across the river Jordan, were traditional enemies of Israel. To have a known enemy of the crown in a city where the Ammonites and Moabites could easily go to conspire with him would have provided future opportunity for treason. This situation may explain David's counsel. Solomon's treatment of Shammai was just and tolerant. He could have had Shammai executed by royal order. Instead, Solomon brought him to Jerusalem and made him swear an oath that he would not cross the brook Kidron, the eastern boundary of Jerusalem. This restriction lends further support to the idea that Solomon did not want Shammai collaborating with the eastern enemies of Israel. Three years later, because Shammai violated his oath, Solomon had him executed. Keel and Delich uh, noted that this punishment was also just, as Solomon had just had put Shammai's life in his own hand by imposing upon him confinement in Jerusalem, and Shammai had promised an oath on, to obey the king's command. The breach of his oath was a crime for which he had no excuse. There is no force at all in the excuses which some commentators adduce in his favor, founded upon the money which his, his slaves had cost him, and the wish to recover possession of them, which was a right one, one in itself, if Shammai had wished to remain faithful to his oath, he might have informed the king of the flight of his slaves, have entreated the king that they might be brought back, and have awaited the king's decision. But he had no right thus lightly to break the promise given, given on, on oath. By the breach of his oath, he had forfeited his life, and this is the first thing which, with which Solomon charges him, without his being able to offer any excuse. And it is not till afterwards that he adduces as a second fact in confirmation of the justice of his procedure, the wickedness that he had practiced towards his father. Uh, so that's the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. Bye.